this morning our reading is from Acts 2, verses 41 through 47. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Morning, friends. Peace be with you. It's good to be here. It is very good. Um, if you've been with us for any measure of weeks now, you'll know that we're in a sermon series called Practicing the Way of Jesus Together for the Renewal of All Things, A Study in Acts, the longest sermon series title in the history of this church, perhaps any church, uh, perhaps since Acts 2, maybe. Uh, but it is a good one, and we're here at the end of chapter 2, uh, and I, I really want to just dive right in because some incredible things have taken place over the last few weeks, especially last week. Uh, Jeremy preaches the message that uh, the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost where there was this dramatic explosion of church growth. You had about 120 people. I mean, you could easily fit 120 people in this room with room to spare. You could have 120 people doing jumping jacks in this room and there'd be room to spare. And then all of a sudden, after one sermon, 3,000 people repent and are baptized. Um, what, that's just, that's insane. That's, I mean, if you just try and imagine that for a second, 3,000, that's a good preaching day uh, for Peter. Um, and that's a very murky baptismal, uh, isn't it? If you're baptizing 3,000 people in the same horse trough, that's, that gets pretty gritty after a while. You have to exchange that a few times. Uh, but it's an incredible thought to think of how mightily the Spirit was at work among these early believers. And now what is really cool is we get to get a glimpse of what the church looks like. What's a church that's, that's full of the Spirit look like? And so that's what we get today. These verses are loaded full of wonderful things. We see the common life of the church together. This new baby church, here's what it says, verse 42. We're just going to dive right in. Look at it with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers that's it the, the spirit descends he blows it up he, he arrives with some fanfare so to speak people get saved people are baptized and then this they devote themselves to these things to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers and the first word i want you to see is is they Verse 42 begins with the word they. Who is they that Luke mentions here? It's the 3,000. It's not just the 120. It's, it's not just the apostles. It's the 3,000 who've been added to the church. It's all who believe and who surrendered themselves fully to the lordship of Jesus Christ, who were baptized, who said, Caesar isn't Lord, Jesus is Lord. It's that they believed. And verse 44 says, 
and all they that believed. All of them. It's not like you've got a church of 3,000 people and there's, there's a thousand of them that are committed. It's 100% commitment from the early church. They were all in, no halvesies, all in. And Luke gives us, a, gives us this clue as sort of a rhetorical question to the reader to ask yourself as you're reading the story. You're going, am I all in? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm standing here as a, as a reader of it going, I want to practice the way of Jesus, and I see this happen, and I'm going, am I all in? That's what Luke wants us to think for a second. The early church was all in, and the impact that these believers had, Luke says later on in Acts, that they turned the world upside down. So it's beautiful, it's challenging. We see a church that's all in for Jesus their love for one another, and the mission that God has them on. They, all 3,000, were what? They were devoted. That's the second word. It's a word that says loyal, persistent, persevering. It's not just the, and they flippantly did this, or they um, uncritically did this. No, they were devoted. They weren't loose in their devotion. This was a thick devotion they gave themselves to these things and the spirit-filled church was a devoted church that's what we see in verse 42 and i think it's a really good challenge for us i think it's a good word for our generation to just consider the concept of being devoted to something are we a devoted people again that's the that's a question luke wants you to ask as you're reading through this am, am i devoted are we devoted to the things of god or when when things get hard, do we kind of pull out? When they get uncomfortable and it's not easy, am I devoted? The church was driven by the Spirit of God to a devotion that determined the course of their lives. We see, if you've read through Acts, you go, these guys didn't live easy lives, but they were devoted, and it makes all the difference. And we all know the importance of being devoted. We understand the importance of being devoted. Anybody work out? I used to. Yeah, I used to. That's what we all say. I used to. Part of the problem with working out, and there's many reasons why I don't work out, by the way. Um, one of them is that the initial part is pain. It's pain to be devoted to something. Not only does being devoted to something mean that you're going to have to not be devoted to other things that may as well be very good. I'd rather be devoted to chocolate cake than to working out. Um, but working out is probably better for me. Pain, especially leg day. Anybody love leg day? Some of you love leg day. Some of you don't. I don't love leg day. Leg day makes me feel good while I'm in it because I'm like sweating. I'm thinking I'm getting great gains. Day two is bad because it's just like jello legs going down the stairs. No pain, though. No gain. You have to be committed. You have to be devoted to work through pain to get the gain. When I was in high school, my basketball team used to have practices early before class and obviously after class and and we would condition ourselves just crazy this team was devoted to the coach we believed in the coach we believed in one another after practice was done we do wall sits uh, and we worked our way up to doing five minute wall sits where we're passing a 35 pound weight plate across everybody's lap all the way down and back for five minutes as we sit there at wall sits and then when you're done with that you got to shoot 100 free throws and it's not just shooting free throws you're charting free throws and you're determining where you missed it on the rim so you have a partner helping you uh, and you were devoted to that. And then after that, we would run lines. And then after the lines, the coach would say, 
I need one of you to come out here on the free throw line and we got to make two consecutive free throws before practice is over. That was every day and that was devotion and that was horrible. Um, but we won state that year. Uh, it, was something, it wasn't because we were the best. I think it was because we were committed to conditioning ourselves to the game we committed to play. Obviously, we got some calls late in the game in state championship that helped. Um, <laughs> but being, being committed to it and being devoted to it meant that we saw great gain. And if we want to see an impact uh, like the early church had, we got to be a devoted people. That word's important. You got to be devoted. Scripture says to discipline yourselves for godliness. And, and someone, you know, when someone says, man, you got to discipline your life. You're like, no, nah, that's legalism. I don't got to do that. You know, there's grace. There's freedom. And, and part of you is like, well, yeah, but discipline is important. The scripture said you've got to discipline yourself for godliness because there is a godly discipline. There is a saying no to the things of the world and the flesh and saying yes to the things of God, and that requires effort. And so we've got to be a devoted people. If we discipline ourselves and give ourselves over to the grace of God and the spirit of God, empowering us and helping us press into these things, I, I just can't help but wonder what might the spirit of God do? through us we see that in acts 2 and so the question is what is the devotion that these people had what were they devoted to and the first thing that they see that they were devoted to is there in verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching there's four things that we're going to look at today that they devoted themselves to but first and foremost they were devoted to the apostles teaching they were devoted to the word the apostles what did the apostles do the apostles were the ones sent by God to proclaim the word of God to the world they taught the word of God and what we hold in our hands today as the scriptures in the New Testament is in large part the apostles teaching and so the early church had a commitment a devotion to the word and I think it's important at this point because for some reason, there's been a bit of a divide in the church where some people sometimes say some things that sound like, are you more of a word church? I mean, do you preach the word? Or are you more of like a spirit church? Uh, you know, you get emotional and you feel things and you raise your hands and tambourines come out, that kind of thing. Are you more of a word church or are you more of a spirit church? Anybody ever heard anything like that? You ever heard people describe the church as you can be a word church or you can be a spirit church? And the early church, the church in Acts, hears that question and goes, what? What are you talking about? Any spirit-filled church is a word-loving and appreciating church. Let me say it again. Any church that's filled by the Spirit it's not an accident that these people were filled by the Spirit. Immediately, they devote themselves to the Word. That's the first thing. Filled by the Spirit, devoted to the Word. Filled by the Spirit, devoted to the Word. They go together. You can't separate them. Jesus, the Lord, our Savior, in John chapter 14, calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Okay, The Holy Spirit that just filled you up that's doing these amazing things in you, he's the spirit of truth. Two chapters later, Jesus says that the spirit's gonna lead his church into all truth. So the spirit of church, or the spirit of truth is gonna lead 
the church into all truth. And then he prays one chapter later, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So the spirit of truth leads the church into all truth by bearing witness to the word of truth. The word and the spirit don't clash. They go together. So if we're a spirit-filled people, we're going to be a word-loving, word-saturated people. Amen? Amen. That's true. We've got to get the word into our hearts and our minds if that's the case. If you're devoted to the word, you've got to get it in you because you can't pull out from the bank what you didn't put in. Right? I used to manage a bank, and people would often try and pull out from the bank what they didn't put in, and I'd have to tell them, no, you've got to put it in. Um, you've got to put it in first. We've got to be in the word. We've got to get the word in us. We've got to memorize it. We've got to know it. We've got to ask questions of it. Do you know the question that Jesus asked more than any other in the Gospels? It's not a trick question. The question that Jesus asks more than any other in the Gospels is this. Have you never read? Jesus was devoted to the Word. And so if we're going to practice the way of Jesus, we've got to be devoted to the Word as well. And the great thing about it is, if you don't read well, you can podcast it. That's a great thing. You can listen to it. Get it in there. Somebody put some music behind it sometimes. You can jam to it now. It's a good thing. Praise the Lord for that. And we're practicing the way of Jesus together, right? We do it together. That means if you're new to the Bible, there's no shame. It's an ancient book. It's confusing. Grab a friend. The Lord has provided a church for you to walk together that says, I want to be devoted to the word. I'm not quite sure how to do it, but I know this brother, he's, he's been in it longer than me. I'm just going to ask him, hey, can you help me with this? We're going to do this thing together because I want to be devoted to the word of God. And here at Trinity, we're devoted to the word of God in a couple different ways. You're going to come on Sunday morning. You're going to read the word of God in the liturgy. You're going to hear it spoken over you. You're going you're to sit under the teaching each and every week of the Bible. That's what we do. We're devoted to it corporately, and then we're devoted to it in smaller groups. So in, in your community groups, you're going to crack open the Word. You're going to pray together. You're going to try and apply the Scriptures to your own life and encourage one another uh, with the Scriptures. And then we've also got uh, gender-specific Bible studies. So we've got women's Bible study Sunday night. Here's a plug for it. If you haven't read it up to this week, you've got an afternoon to catch up because it's not till the evening. So if you're devoted to it, get in it. So... I'll be babysitting my kids this afternoon while my wife catches up on the last three weeks that she hadn't read. Um, and that's an okay thing. Uh, but that's good because when we're devoted, and the men, we got Thursday morning, men gathering together around the word, devoted to it. Because the apostles' teaching is what they were devoted to. It's what the Spirit is bringing to bear in their lives. And we're going to say that we got it corporately, we've got it in smaller groups, and we're going to push hard that you be in the word as an individual, as a lover and a follower of Jesus. You have to get his word in you. You need to find a daily rhythm where you're, where you're com communing with God through his word. Because the spirit, the spirit is a great teacher, but if you're a bad student, there's only so much he can do. You've got to be in the word. You've got to be in the word. So find some space in the morning, get a good cup of coffee, devote yourself to the Lord Jesus. A few weeks ago, my son was sick for a few days, and he said his tummy was hurting. And so that's a telltale sign. Okay, something's going on. He's feeling queasy. He's looking pale. Um, but that could be a lot of things. You know, he could be nervous. Doesn't mean he's sick. It could be all sorts of things. So the telltale sign for me that one of my kids is actually sick is when they stop eating. 
Um, because if I've handed anything down next to the generation after me is a devotion to food. Uh, so my kids have got that from me, and I know something's up when they're not eating. When we lose our appetite for food, it's a sign you're really sick. And as true as that is physically, it's equally true spiritually, that if you're off your spiritual food, you're spiritually sick. So those who don't want to sit under the word, those who are struggling to find a devotion to God's word, are exhibiting signs of a spiritual illness. It's not incurable, but it is an illness. And you can't grow, you can't press into what God has for you in the faith if you're malnourished because you're refusing the word. But often these things creep up, and if, if, if those are the case, sometimes a shame can creep in. And you think, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from God's people. I'm going to stay away from God's word. That's maybe I just need some space. Um, the last thing, let me tell you, the last thing you need when you're sick is to not eat right. You need that nourishment. There's no strength to be gained when you refuse good food. So the time to press into the church and the time to press into the word is when you're struggling. Let me encourage you in that. Not only can we rally around you and support you at a very basic level, but you've got to keep receiving spiritual nourishment. And we do that as we're devoted to the word. How, how are you going to grow if you don't have that food? How are you going to be patient in trials? How are you going to be built up and encouraged by the spirit if you're not listening to him through the word? And just as my son's ap- appetite signaled to me that he wasn't well, so we show ourselves to be spiritually ill when we're off the food. A spirit-filled church is, is devoted to the word. The second thing we see is that they're devoted to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. A fellowship is a churchy word. It's become a churchy word. There used to be a fellowship hall in the church that I grew up in. A fellowship hall just meant a place with enough outlets that you could plug in enough crockpots to have a, a potluck dinner. And the idea of fellowship in the early church is much deeper than that. It's, it's, a, it's the word, maybe you've heard it before if you've been around church circles, called koinonia. It means it's a common partnership. It's a spirit-filled partnership, and a partnership is a give and a receive. It's a sharing in and a sharing out. So the fellowship, what do we share in together in this fellowship? The answer is God himself. John the Apostle writes in 1 John, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul ends 2 Corinthians with a benediction where he says, May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So koinonia, this fellowship, is a Trinitarian experience. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, if you want to go read it, this fellowship actually bestows upon us every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing is actually what we share in when we're living in the presence of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why we call this church Trinity Community Church. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are in communion with Him through Christ and by the Spirit. So that's what we share in. We share the same grace. We share the same love, the same affection, the same mission, the same hope, the same Lord and Savior. And so we're devoted to this fellowship that we share in. We have fellowship with God, but we also have fellowship with one another. And it's not just about what we receive from God. It's about what we are able to share with others through the power of God. 
Look at verse 44 and 45 with me. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. True fellowship with God always leads to outward sharing as well. And that's what you see in the rest of this passage. It says that they had everything in common. They didn't claim anything as their own. True fellowship says what's mine is yours, and actually your life is of more value to, value to me than my own. Jesus says greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And so that's what we do. If we're going to practice the way of Jesus together, we actually have to practice the way of Jesus, which is laying down our lives for one another. We see that they shared their money, their resources with anyone who was in need. But it wasn't just their money. They shared their houses and their food because they broke bread in each other's homes. And it wasn't just their money or their houses or their food. They shared their time because it says in verse 46 that they did this how often? Every day. That takes time. Any healthy family needs to spend time together. And so the way we flesh that out, again, Another plug, community group. CGs, as we call them, are small families inside of a larger family of the body of Christ. And if this is your only experience of the family, let me tell you, you're missing out. You're missing out on the fellowship, the giving and the receiving aspect, the koinonia that they devoted themselves to. There's a deep fellowship of the Spirit that longs to pull you into deeper and deeper fellowship with God and with one another. Let's be known for our devotion to the fellowship. Amen? That's a good thing. Thirdly, a spirit-filled church is devoted not just to the apostles' teaching or to the fellowship, but to the breaking of bread. When the Spirit came and He filled these early believers, they worshiped God together. That's the first thing. Verse 42. This is all in verse 42, but notice how often in verse 42, it depends on your translation, there's a definite article in front of each of these. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. This is a reference to communion, the breaking of bread. And notice how this devotion, this worship was, was formal but it was also informal. Verse 46 tells us it, it took place in the temple courts. So it takes place in CIS uh, and in their homes. So a spirit-filled church is devoted to treasuring Christ. This is what we do in communion. We treasure Christ together. We do it formally and we do it informally. Whenever they came together, it says that they rejoiced. They rejoiced in the truth that Christ broke his body for me. Christ shed his blood for me as a people marked by a love for Jesus. That's what this table is. That's why we celebrate communion every week. That's one way we can practically come together despite how your week has been and rally around the fact that Jesus died for you and for me. And we celebrate that. We treasure him. We also eat with one another throughout the week in our homes. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So each and every meal, all 21 meals this week, is an opportunity for you to treasure Christ. And if you're like me, there's a few fourth meals in there too, so you might have more than 21 meals. So you have even more opportunity to treasure 
Christ, to give God thanks and praise for redeeming you, for forgiving you, for giving you His Spirit, for giving you a church, for opening your eyes to the glories of grace, right? That's a good thing. They devoted themselves to it. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us food as a symbol to remember your goodness to us. How good is that? Food is good. Amen. I love it. And God is good. And he reminds us through good food. And he reminds us through the Lord's Supper. And lastly, a spirit-filled church is devoted to the prayers. And this is something that I think the Lord is calling us deeper and deeper and deeper into as a congregation. I know he's doing that for me. The more I read all these old dead men and women who really love Jesus, the more you're going to find they really love Jesus, but they also really pray a lot. And they pour a lot of energy into getting on their knees before the Lord, laying hold of him in prayer. Intimate, expectant prayer. And I want to say I've been really encouraged by this, um, by our church over the last six months or so. Our church has significantly stepped up our devotion to prayer. Um, And that's many of you. Friday night prayers, corporate prayers on Sunday morning before the service, during the service. Our life together as God's spirit-filled people should be a praying life. And if you want help in this, um, there's some books I would recommend. There's a book called A Praying Life. I mentioned it a few weeks ago uh, by Paul Miller. It's a wonderful book. All of us could use help from those who are further along in the faith. A Praying Life by Paul Miller is a great resource. There's also a book by a friend of ours. He's a fellow Sojourn Network pastor in New York City. His name's John Stark. He just wrote a book. It just released called The Possibility of Prayer. And it's really, really good. Take it. Um, I think Jeremy has a copy or he can point you to it. You may have even wrote a review of it, right? Yeah, so Jeremy gives it five stars, all right? It's a good book. I would love it, though, if we would continue to devote ourselves into going deeper into our communion with Christ, individually and corporately, because prayer says, God, I can't do it. I need you. And God delights to be needed. So the Spirit-filled church is devoted to the Word, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And we see that it results in verse 43 saying, everybody was in awe and the signs of wonders that were being done, that the power of God was among them. So when the church is devoted, filled by the Spirit and devoted to these things, what do we see? We see power. One of the results of their devotion was that the power resided in God. These are not things that they they were not programming these things. They were just depending on the Lord. And the power came from the Spirit. Secondly, we notice in verse 46 and 47, and I love this, in my Bible it says that they received their food with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God. Glad and sincere hearts. So what else results is joy. We see power We see joy that permeated this this church. They're just bursting with it. And it's not because of their circumstances, because the circumstances were rough. This is a church that was joyful because God was with them, and they knew it, and they saw him breaking into their lives. And so they had joy in all seasons. There was a gladness in their heart and a generosity in their bones. And what was the impact of it? We see in verse 47 that they had favor with all people. 
people were noticing that this church was different. And what resulted in that was salvation. So the result of their devotion was power through the Holy Spirit, joy welling up in the congregation, and God uses that to save many. Look at verse 47. I love this little section, and I pray this towards our church. I don't want our limited experience of a church, our limited experience of of seeing one, two people come to know Jesus be the defining mark of how we think God can actually move. God can do more than that. God longs to do more than that. And the Spirit wants to use you and I to do more than that. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. I believe that. And it says this in verse 47, the Lord added to their number, how often? Day by day, those who were being saved. God's able. God delights to save. He doesn't wait till Sunday morning in the gathering to save people either. He does it day by day those who are being saved. They were, they were added day by day, which means in people's homes as they loved one another. They were seeing God move powerfully in their lives, in their workplaces. As they were devoted to God's word, they were devoted to the fellowship, they were devoted to worshiping him through the breaking of bread and to the prayers. They saw God move powerfully. And this sort of outpouring of the Spirit can happen. Let's pray towards that end, Right? Amen. So I just want to close by asking you three questions. I just want you to think about these things. In response to this, in response to a spirit-filled church who's devoted to these things, ask yourself these things. Ask the Holy Spirit, where's one area where I need to be more devoted? Okay, this is not legalism. This is not you need to do more for God. God helps those who help themselves. It's not that. Okay, Peter preaches the gospel. People believe and are baptized and the Spirit comes, right? And then all these other things happen. Grace comes first. But we got to discipline ourselves for godliness as a people. So we ask ourselves, where's one area where I know I need to be more devoted? Maybe the Spirit's pricked it up in your heart this morning. Maybe it's the Word. Maybe it's the fellowship. Maybe it's the breaking of bread corporate worship and prayer maybe you're asking yourself this morning those questions don't beat yourself up there's grace upon grace ask the spirit to give you grace to grow in that area that you know could use more devotion what is one area that christ is calling you to be more devoted in and then the follow-up question what needs to be reprioritized in my life so that this devotion can be possible And that's just as important. What needs to be reprioritized in my life so that this devotion can be possible? Because the reality is, if you just try and add a devotion to something in your calendar that doesn't reprioritize the others, you're just going to kill yourself. You're going to hustle. You're going to grind it out. It's just going to be murder. You need to make space for the Spirit and say, God, what is it that you're calling me to be devoted to? And God, I need you to show me what, what I need to push away, what I need to lay aside. Now I'm going to ask you to think about it hard enough that you actually write it down so that you can look at it and say, I remember when I asked the Spirit to give me wh- what it is that I need to reprioritize my life, and I prayed about it, and I was sincere, and I felt Him say this, and I wrote it down. 
so I wouldn't forget it. Because the third thing I'm going to ask you to do is ask yourself, who can I share what I just wrote down with? What, what do I need to be more devoted to? Spirit, you tell me. I know you love me. What do I need to be more devoted to? And then how do I reprioritize my life so that I can be devoted to that thing? And then who do I need to share this with? Find a close friend. Find somebody you trust. Somebody you know. Ask the Lord. Put that person's name on the paper next to that so I can be reminded. And ask them to hold you accountable in love, grace, but accountable. I do so much better when I have a brother or sister holding me accountable, right? It's like when you go to the gym. I'm imagining. I haven't been in a long time. But it's like when you go to the gym, you need a workout partner. You need a buddy. Why? Because I'm not going back on day two if I don't have someone pushing me back on day two. Day one, like I said, you're feeling great. You're breaking a sweat. You're feeling like, man, I'm going to look like Stallone tomorrow. Uh, I realize that's an old (laughs) reference, but... You don't want to look like Stallone tomorrow. Uh, old Stallone, you know what I'm saying, whatever. Um, but you're going to be hurting on day two. You need that person to say, come on, man, gains are coming, but you've got to push. You've got to keep me accountable. Don't give up. You need someone else to come alongside you to encourage you in those things because it is discipline. In the early church that was filled by the Spirit, though, they were devoted to these things so don't wait to devote yourself the spirit's calling you today to respond to repent to believe to answer those questions to write them down take someone to lunch share it with them where can we grow together christ is calling us into a deeper devotion this morning let's pray